Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal. Drahada to Dock and Cabin. Discover the all-new Opal Astra with its bold design, stylish looks, low running costs and innovative technology. Get ready to go further with the new generation Astra. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Monday afternoon. Hope you had a lovely weekend and dodged those haymakers yesterday. Weren't they something else? Yours truly is delighted because I was able to get some lovely organic feed onto my lawns on Friday evening. And when the rain came down, well, I probably was the only one doing a dance welcoming the rain to wash it in. But there you have it. I'm just waiting for it to green over now. God's been so dry lately. Anyway, hope you had a good one too. And uh, welcome to another week of late launch and we begin today uh, with a story that's not nice I have to say when you hear the ins and outs of it because you see Sean Nolan went cycling uh, to Townley Hall recently and it didn't end well and he joins me on the line this afternoon. Hello Sean. Hi Jerry, how are you? I'm good, thank you very much for taking our call. Let me just go back to what I said in the introduction. You were out cycling in Townley Hall. When was it? Last Friday? Yeah, last Friday, the 22nd, yeah. And typically what do you do when you're out there? It's familiar, it's a, it's a regular haunt of yours. What are you out there doing? Is it practising for mountain biking? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so I'm out on the trails practising for mountain biking. Um, i just come back from Belgium actually, uh, racing on the road with my I'm on a professional team out there Irish team called Evo Pro Racing right uh, I come back on the Wednesday and I was out there on the Friday uh, practicing for the All-Ireland Championships which, which were on the same day as the All-Ireland Football uh, on the Sunday OK so you're a, a, a biker on the road as well as off-road so you, you com- am, yeah. combine both right so you're out in Townley Hall and you're uh, working away out there and um, what happened on Friday? What time did you arrive there at roughly? So right there at maybe, I'd say about half 12, quarter past 12. Okay. And uh, I was just uh, doing a bit of practicing around uh, different trails, trying different few different different loops. Mm. And uh, I had decided on a loop I was going to practice a number of times. So uh, I was going to use a small lap, only a few minutes. Yeah. And uh, I did that maybe four or five times and they came around again. And I was just going on a straight bit of trail and all of a sudden I was flung over my handlebars and landed on my back on a tree stump. Uh, and I thought this was, you know, I was obviously in severe pain straight away and 
uh, I had a real bad pain in my back and I was uh, short of breath. So uh, I eventually was able to get myself up and uh, down the road. And then I was able to call an ambulance and thankfully the, the ambulance got me, brought me to the hospital. So there was very few people around? No, there would have been there would have been a few walkers now, and yes. uh, you know when I met them on the trail, I'd stop and say hello and mm. let them by and that, and you know it was all very friendly. I didn't uh, come across anybody who seemed to be aggravated by me using the trails, but it just uh, yeah. So what ended up happening really, I suppose, um, is actually there was a wire found uh, across the trail, and that's actually how it fallen. Someone had placed a wire up across the trail while I was doing my small lap and uh, of course I wasn't expecting anything any obstacle or anything I didn't see anything of course this tin mm. wire and sent off my bike and fortunately I broke four ribs and two vertebrae and uh, had a partially collapsed lung as a result This is really cynical Sean Yeah and th- This is not nice this is really really nasty stuff I have to say because Yeah no it's it's, it's really quite serious because you know, bad enough myself, I could have been, you know, I was close to being paralysed. I really could have been paralysed easily, you know. Yes. It's been a centimetre to, you know, in a different direction. Mm. Um, could have changed my life forever, you know. Thankfully, it's only going to be, you know, a couple of months mm. of recovering. But you're out of action now for the foreseeable. It's as I simple am, as yeah, that with yeah. broken ribs and the other injuries you mentioned there. The other thing, why I say to, to listeners, and they've obviously picked up on this is, Somebody was watching you or knew that you were doing this circuit and went in and placed that wire when you'd gone on your way from the point where that wire was and when you came around next time, bang. Yeah. This is bad. This is really bad. I I did it multiple times and to just come around, you know, again and Hmm. uh, for that to happen, yeah. I just find it very scary you know that someone would would try to hurt me like that and you know me doing nothing wrong just on my bike and being very friendly to anybody I met yes um, and and I, I know you've said that several times because you know there is I don't have to tell you you have this issue go ongoing you know people walk the woods uh, uh, there are children there they walk dogs they spend leisure time there and there's been this sort of friction between cycling and walking and other users as well have you ever experienced you know abuse or anyone you know telling you to get lost honestly I haven't no um, and I think it comes down to the fact that I'm always you know so friendly and I appreciate that everybody has a right to uh, to use these trails you know mm. um, to use trails and you know we're all members of the public we all should get on and you know it's only it's only mannerly to yes. you know stop and greet somebody mm. meet and uh, then continue on your way when it's safe to do so you mm. know you're respectful to them and you've never experienced anything and there's no doubt like this wire had to be I just want to come back to this again yeah. there's no way that wire was there on previous circuits that no. you'd done no. no I went in the exact same place the exact same speed the same way mm. that wire completely took me out of it, it was, uh, there was actually a picture of it going around on Facebook mm. and that and I think it might be in the paper tomorrow that um you know it shows it uh, completely across the trail you know and there's there's no way i was going to see it um mm. at the speed i was going yeah so yes i find it very frightening that you know that could have been a, a young child or you know an old person yes perhaps um on their bike and mm. 
could end up a lot worse than me. Some shock to get, you know, when you've yeah done X number of circuits and then suddenly you encounter uh, something like this. Um, ha- have you reported the matter to the Gardaí? I have reported the matter to Garda um, in Drada. And uh, my father, actually, when I was in hospital, uh, went in and he got a he got a response that uh, wasn't too nice. Now they didn't seem to seem to take it too seriously, and he was he was told to basically get lost, you know. But um, at the same time, in saying that, uh, I have got further info from the guards. They've contacted me directly to say that they are going to actually go across this with this investigation. Um, so hopefully. So hopefully something does come of it, and hopefully it doesn't doesn't happen to anybody else. You know, mm. you mentioned that wire. We have the picture available yeah. on our website at the moment, lmfm.ie. If you want to check it out there, you'll see what uh, Sean is actually talking about. It's there at the moment uh, uh, for for anyone who wants to uh, to have a look at it. I'm surprised at that because the guardie, you know, generally, you know, when you go in and uh, or your dad goes in and and files a complaint, it's a serious complaint, a serious matter, and should be taken seriously. I'm sorry yeah. to hear that, but. Uh, um, uh, it's something I don't like to hear but I, I presume that uh, that would be an issue if it were to be dismissed in the fashion that you said but I would hope that the Gardaí would treat it absolutely seriously and, and follow up on this. Have you any in the past, has this happened Any any anybody else come to you since or, uh, and said well I, I, I've had a similar experience in Townley Hall? Now not particularly in Townley Hall but um, there have been instances that there have been uh, branches and uh, not wires, but branches and things put in the way mm. to obstruct um, cyclists. But uh, nothing as severe as a wire, do you know? Because that really could have taken, you know, if it was higher, it could have taken my head off. Or Absolutely. You know, it's it's uh, it's very scary, as you mm. said, you know. Um, and I just want to make, make sure, you know, this isn't about publicity for me or anything. No. It's not about money. It's not about compensation. This is simply about, I don't want this to happen to someone else, for someone else to have to go through that. And, you know, for someone that is out there that hasn't been caught, that is physically trying to hurt people just because they're not walking on a trail, perhaps, you know? Mm. They're cycling. It's just another mode of, mode of transport, and I think it's just very scary. Mm. Uh, in terms of the of uh, the general situation, you know, cyclists and other user, uh, users as well, what's the story with getting a, a track dedicated to cycling? Not just there, but per, you know, in, in the, nor- the northeast here, have you have you dedicated tracks for cycling? There are dedicated tracks now in other places, yes, such as Ticknock, uh, Balnestow, okay, other places I would have I've meet, visited. But um, not that I'm aware of in Tony Hall, there aren't designated cycling tracks mm. or walking tracks for that ma- matter. Um, now, that, I could be wrong in that. Um, don't take my word for it. But uh, as far as I know, there are certainly no designated cycling tracks. But I really do think it should, you know, that could perhaps be uh, uh, an option. Yes. Uh, uh, but at, at the same time, I don't think it's really going to stop somebody from going up and putting a wire across, you know, nope. just because it's a de- designated track. Mm. It's uh, good to talk to you today and that you're able to talk and that your life is, it's altered temporarily, but it could have been altered, as you mentioned, permanently. And even 
more seriously uh, when you think about that wire and it being at a a higher height as well. So it really is an uh, an awareness uh, factor now for people who may be using uh, Townley Hall to cycle and that you need to pedal carefully. That's the message, Sean. Exactly, yeah. That's right, Jerry. And uh, you will obviously be pursuing uh, the complaint. I, I hope that would be pursued and that before the inquiries, we'll watch this space uh, as to what happens there with time. I'm glad, I, I'm glad you, you, you've, you're with me to tell the tale. I say that's you again. Thank you, Sean. Not at all. Thank you for joining me on the show. Take care of yourself. I hope you're well soon. That's Sean Nolan there, who had a very lucky escape in Townley Hall on Friday last. Um, Let me see. I have a statement here. All right. We were in touch. Earl Louise has been in touch uh, with the Gardaí, with uh, Drogheda Wheelers, with Quilche as well. We have a statement from from Drogheda Wheelers. and they say as follows, the only information that the club can offer to the discussion around Townley Hall is that Drogheda Wheelers have inquired with Quilche uh, as far as six months ago as to the development of a designated trail at this site. That's what I was talking about there to Sean. No decision has been made by Quilche to date. Everyone at Drogheda Wheelers is deeply saddened to see what happened to Sean Nolan in Townley Hall and we all want to wish him a speedy recovery. We hope that we may have more details to offer in the future. Uh, At that point, we could uh, join you, Jerry, for a conversation, but just not at the moment. But if you read this, we'd appreciate it. And thanks indeed for all your support. Delighted to do that as well. When we have word from Quilce, we're following up with the Gardaí as well. We'll come back on this one. Uh, But if you have anything to say yourself, 086-1800-658. Any cyclists out there want to comment? Walkers, Townley Hall users, whoever you are, we'd love to hear from you. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Back in late lunch in a moment. Louise, we have updates. Uh, First of all, the Gardaí. What have they said, Louise? Uh, The Gardaí have um, said that they have received a report of the incident that Mm. happened, um, but they haven't said they're investigating it. Okay, so they have a report and and nothing else on that. Quilce. Quilce have just literally sent me a statement in the last few minutes and it said... um, Kielce is aware of an incident involving a mountain biker in our forest at Townley Hall over the weekend and an inv- investigation into the incident is currently underway. Townley Hall is a very popular recreational forest for locals and visitors to the area. Kielce do not operate or authorise any mountain biking trails at Townley Hall. The health and safety of all visitors to Kielce Forest is paramount to Kielce. Kielce has an open forest policy and welcomes all walkers to our forests according to the principles of Leave No Trace Ireland. For any activity other than walking in our forests, a licence must first be obtained. The primary purpose of the licence is to ensure the activity can take place safely and enjoyable with all safety of all the users of our forests at the centre of the process. Keelcha has no licensed mountain bike activity in our forest at Townley Hall. Keelcha is the largest provider of outdoor recreation in Ireland with 260 recreational forests, 12 forest parks and six dedicated mountain bike centres We work with local communities to develop recreational resources and facilities on our lands in the interests of public safety and for health and safety of all forest users. Mountain bikers are asked to use the six dedicated mountain bike centres that Keelcha have developed with purpose-built trails tailored to suit the experience of the individual mountain biker from novice to experienced and the details of which are available on keelcha.ie. Well, that is a comprehensive statement, and I listened to it. That's the first time I've heard it. All walkers are welcome 
you must be licensed to do anything else in Creelty Forest mm. apart from the six dedicated ones for mountain biking and I think that's pretty clear and I know Sean is probably listening to us now and Drahada Wheelers and others that is unequivocal in that statement from Creelty you have to mm-hmm. say yeah. so the f- boys and girls the story is until there's a dedicated trail there for mm. bikers 6 out of 260 yes so you know the, 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 the push will have to go on mm-hmm. to have more dedicated but I want to say this it does not take away from the absolute, what will I say it was, mindless person, individual or individuals who put that wire in place because Sean Nolan could be grave, could have been gravely injured much more seriously than he was. We have to say that. That, that is not a solution to this at all. You know what I'm saying, Louise? No, it's absolutely. Not it's solution. so serious and it's it shouldn't... very serious. Oh. It really is. It's it's life-threatening, to be honest with you. And whoever did that is totally out of order, I have to say. And that goes without saying. But I thank Quilcha and we watch with interest what will happen in terms of the investigation and on Garda Corner. Louise, I'm thinking. I'm thinking, Louise. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking. Do you know what I'm thinking of? No. Buying another gadget? Oh, God. Shh, did I say that too loud? I'm thinking of buying another gadget <laughs> for the kitchen. You know my track record. Okay, don't, what's don't the gadget? Men- don't mention the other thing. If you mention the other thing, I'm pulling out the plug and leaving the studio. Don't mention that other thing that I always get hammered about. <laughs> thing that starts with B. Uh, yeah, mm. bread maker. I think <laughs> I'm. I think I'm going to buy a pasta maker. You know, one of these ones where you make the dough yeah. and you put it through it and it makes spaghetti. Mm. Yeah. You, know, you know that thing. Mm. What, what do you think, Louise? Should yeah. I get it? No, Louise. You know I love me pasta and me yeah, Italian. Yeah, the packet. Should I not? So forget about this. <laughs> this get forget about this gadget. Keep that. the receipt, Jerry. Keep the receipt. <laughs> and there's another one. There was two of them I saw this weekend. I can't believe you brought back an air fryer, and you know that everybody seemingly loves using air fryers. I brought and, a, and you, I didn't bring it back. You brought it to the, I brought it to the recycle centre. Used once, left in the recycle centre. And, and I told a fella, you see that thing over there? That's brand new. And he went over and took it. And then Sarah no was looking did. for one last week. I have a second gadget. Can I mention there's two caught me attention mm. this week? Them little booklets that come from Lidl and Aldi are lethal. Let's talk about an amount of stuff. <clears throat> a candy floss maker. What do you think? <laughs> Stop laughing. I love candy floss. I have memories of candy floss from Bray in my youth when I used to go on the on an excursion, an excursion to Bray and the candy floss. Should I get it, Louise? A bit of sugar into the machine and a stick and twirl it. Me own candy floss. Listeners. Yeah, get that. Get listeners, that one. late lunch listeners. Get come on. Louise. Are you serious? Yeah, no, get that one. Get the candy yeah, floss. Get the candy Should floss. I get the pasta machine, no. folks? Let's check in with our sports department. Column Corrigan is standing by with big breaking news. Column. Certainly is, uh, Jerry. Yes, good afternoon. Yes, within the last few minutes, a uh, statement uh, from the Mead County Board stating that the Management Committee of Mead GA have recommended that Colm O'Rourke be put forward before the County Committee for ratification as new County Senior Football Team Manager. Colm has nominated Stephen Bray and Barry Callaghan as his two selectors. Massive news breaking in the last few minutes. Colm O'Rourke, you may remember, Jerry, initially, uh, soon after Andy McEntee had uh, departed uh, as Mead Manager after six seasons in charge, Colm O'Rourke did seem to 
suggest that he wasn't uh, prepared to let his name go forward but that obviously has changed in uh, recent uh, weeks uh, his name has been uh, among the, the favourites even though he seemed to rule himself out of the running and now uh, we have the news today that his name is being put forward so Colm O'Rourke two times All-Ireland winner of course part of the 87 and 88 teams uh, TV pundit Simonstown manager in more recent times as well well he will be the man that will be replacing Andy McEntee and he'll have two former players Stephen Bray and Barry Callan as his two right hand men if you like and Colm you would have to say uh, you know Mead to the core you mentioned his successes there his experience at club level this will be in general a very welcome appointment I would imagine so, uh, uh, Jerry. And I know that Colm had said that uh, he had been kind of torn down a couple of times previously when you know his name was put forward. Um, but I think I think it will be, I think it'll be a welcome appointment. It's someone from within the county. Uh, there were a lot of rumours that perhaps the the county board were going to have to look outside once again. Uh, but you know, Colm O'Rourke is a high profile name. He's won it. He's won uh, major honours as as a player. He's won county championships with Simonson as a manager as well. Uh, and I suppose you know perhaps he will feel now that his time has come you know rather than maybe <laughs> to put it a better way sitting on the fence maybe as a pundit and you know he's he's, he's certainly you know earned a, a great reputation uh, for his TV work but now perhaps uh, you know he'll find that it's time to give something back to the county and it's probably coming a good time from now and uh, you know he's going to give it one hell of a go we don't know what the term is whether it's a uh, one two three years that'll I'm sure be um, re- revealed over uh, time or the next county board meeting it will have to be ratified by the, by the uh, county committee but uh, I don't see any issue I think uh, it'll be ratified pretty uh, pretty easily and it'll be pretty straightforward affair Jerry. Colin thank you so much for bringing us that uh, breaking news and we'll have more here of course on LMFM through the afternoon do you remember McCardles McCardles ale from Dundalk well do you remember it you can still buy it you can still have a bottle in places it's still on draft as well Oh my word, such a history uh, they had in the border town from 1863 until 2001 when they closed. Well, recently I spotted a wonderful article online uh, from my next guest who worked there himself for a time and my God, the reaction it's brought. I'm not surprised, it's sensational. Jason McGee, CEO of Jascom Consulting, thank you for joining me on the show today. Good afternoon, Jerry. Well, 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 well you, I'd say even for you, you were more than surprised with the absolute deluge you got when you posted this wee story. Yeah, it's funny. I woke up on Friday morning and I saw an article that Diageo had um, put out a press statement. They were creating a new brewery in Kildare and it just sparked off some memories that I'd had because I'd worked in McCardles from 1994 until 2001 so I just wrote up some, some memories that I had on LinkedIn and uh, about 5,000 people read it <laughs> and uh, shared it out. And lots of people who I hadn't, I'd lost touch with over the years kind of contacted me saying, you know, it brought, brought a lot of memories back. On the particular side of the brewery, E.H. Uh, uh, e. McArdle and uh, Andrew T. Moore began their operation there in 1863. But there was a previous history, wasn't there, going back, way back, 1700s, where that site was, uh, and brewing was synonymous? Yeah, well, I suppose brewing in Dundalk has been synonymous way back into the 1700s. It was only when I started digging into the legacy here, there were something like 32 breweries around uh, Dundalk. <laughs> it's a lot of breweries, but mm. I suppose there's always been a lot of pubs in Dundalk. But there were 32, what we'd call nowadays, microbreweries. And it's funny how the big circle has come around from uh, big breweries to smaller breweries. But there were 32 breweries. 
Um, they went by the wayside uh, for one reason or another right up until about 1850. And then McCardle and his cousin Moore came together in 1863 and started brewing. And brew they did for years and years. You mentioned in the article that these men were very intelligent men in a way and that the, the produce, the ales they produced. But you mentioned patents. What do you mean by patents? Yeah, when I looked into it, uh, Jerry, they, they had paid, the brewing industry, I suppose, was just in its infancy of being modernised from the 1800s onwards. Um, so they introduced patents for things like uh, brewing technology, um, carts, uh, you know, vats. Um, just they were just innovative guys who, you know, found a way of brewing, making the brewing better, and making the transport better. And they, they wrote patents and made as much money out of the patents as they did out of the beer. So they were, they were clever, clever guys. Mm, they certainly were. And the other thing, a bit of an irony, really, World War One. they supplied the, the British troops with, the, with their um, enjoyment. Yeah, yeah I, I found a... Le- I, uh, well, as I left the brewery, I was one of the last people, probably the last person, to go. And I rescued a box of old letters and journals. And one of the letters had described... It was a financial statement uh, around 1815, 16, sorry, 1915, 16, said, uh, owing to depopulation, enormous taxation and the effects of World War One, our profits won't be as good this year. So they had supplied the British Army uh, as, you know, to, with, with beer during the war, but the, uh, the enormous effects of the war had also affected their profits. So it's really when you read something like that, it brings it home to how long they had been brewing and how widespread um, McCardle's Ale had been drank. And there's another name I remember. I'm showing me age here, and I can even give you the slogan, Double Diamond works wonders, so drink some today. <laughs> yeah, Double Diamond, uh, you know, if you, if you Google online, you'll find a lot of ads and labels for Double Diamond, especially in the UK. And that's what really spurred on the brewery when you fast forward to the 1960s. There were two new bottling lines put into McCardle's Brewery and that's really when it, you know, uh, became hugely successful that not only were they brewing but they were bottling for all over Ireland and the UK. Mm, yes, it reached far beyond these shores for sure. You talk about your time there and it really does come across and in the follow-up comments as well when you read through them, the job satisfaction, the camaraderie and of course the remuneration wasn't bad either but it really had that family feel. Yeah, it it certainly did. It was the first real job that I'd done. I'd left college in 1993 and then joined the brewery in 1994. It was on a week's work experience and as soon as I went there, I got this sense of a large family. Everybody knew each other right from the kind of CEO down to the, the guy sweeping the yard, as I said. Um, it was a very social uh, working environment. N- nothing really like I've ever experienced since. But there was something on every weekend. There were retirements, birthday parties, um, you know, celebrations. And everybody played football together and went to Christmas parties. Much, much more social than any business now. So... Um, yeah, we all knew each other very well and we all enjoyed the job. Was that why then when the end came and the news was given, it was a shocking time to say that we're gone, we're pulling out 300 plus people and their families affected. Was that why it was really so hard to take? 
Yeah, I remember being in the room on the day and I remember uh, we'd all been called over to stop work and, you know, suspicions were rife at the time that there were going to be cutbacks, etc. But uh, you, it's hard to describe being in a room where 300 people are told that they've lost their jobs mm. um, by one person at the top of a room. Those that gut-wrenching gasp uh, when everybody realised that they'd put all this time and effort and all this history into the brewery and it was gone with the stroke of a pen so whenever I hear of anybody losing their job since, I always think much more of the effects of the wider family and their financial situation and the loans and the debts that they have, much more than probably the average person. It was the first time I'd ever lost my job, and it's a hell of an impact. Um, and I just, thinking back at it, not only was it a tremendous loss to the town of Dundalk, but it was all of the history as well and mm. um, that was going to be, as I thought at the time, lost forever. But it didn't quite turn out that way. No, thank God it didn't. And you're part, of course, of keeping this alive. But what you say there, those words, they really resonate, I'm sure, with people who found themselves in, in that situation where you're told your job is gone. The other thing is, we must remember, 140 years, generations were, were reared and raised and food put on the table and a roof over the head and more besides, thanks to the income from the brewery. Yeah, I'd work with people who were second and third generation people who had worked there, the fathers. And I suppose people had always asked, well, why why was sons of sons and daughters of daughters into the brewery? It was a generational thing. Um, I think a colleague of mine, Nicky McCord, explained it one day that the, there was a sense of responsibility. So if you weren't pulling your weight or you weren't, uh, you know, you weren't doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, it was a kind of a father or a brother who would pull you up more than the boss would to say, you know, um, cop on. But there was... There was a genuine pride in the product, Jerry, that I don't know that people appreciate nowadays. You know, people mm. who are employees would go into bars and they would always buy, you know, McCarter's or, or Guinness products and have a sense of pride in it that you probably just don't get anymore nowadays. Yes. I closed my eyes, let me say, when I was reading it as well, when I got to a part of, of the wonderful piece you wrote that's prompted such a reaction, to just try in my uh, mind's eye envisage, and, and, and I'm sure this comes back to you, no problem, the smells of, of, of the materials used in the brewing and the clinking, clacking of the bottles on the lines. Can you still, can you still smell that and, 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 and hear it? <laughs> Ah, yeah, it's easy to do because, mm. you know, as anybody who worked there will tell you, it was a very visceral experience working in a brewery. So when you went in the gate, you know, you could smell it way back. You know, you were cycling up, you were driving up, you could smell the hops and the malt and, and uh, all across the dock, especially when Hop Brewery was there as well. Yes. There was this sweet smell that you could get. And then as you approached and you entered the plant, you could hear the noise of hundreds of thousands of bottles all clinking and clattering together and forklifts spinning around. So it was it was a very visceral, uh, tactile experience um, that uh, I haven't ever had since. You know, everything's moved towards computerization and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was hard to describe, but I hope I did it justice in the article. You did, for sure. And when you mentioned computerization, that was your job. You were in there installing computers and the groundbreaking, let me say, uh, Jason, Windows 95. <laughs> Yeah, um, when I first started working in the brewery, um, the the main server that was in there had a, had about half as much memory as your typical smartphone does now. Wow! So it ran three hundred computers that main server, and the phones that kids have in their hands now are two to three times more powerful. But it was twenty years ago. In fact, um, I joined in sixteenth of July. 
1994, which is 28 years ago, but it closed uh, around the middle May time of 2001. Mm. And uh, Christmas, you mentioned the social end. Christmas is a great time, I know, and it. You got a few bottles. Yeah, we did. Um, we we got a, a, an allocation. I think we got eight cases uh, of beer, and it was quite a sight in the yard when everybody just before the the finish up for Christmas, there'd be stacks and stacks of beer there to be given out to everybody. Uh, as you can imagine, people went home happy. They brought their beer uh, home to their house for over Christmas again and give out for friends and family. Part of it was just a historical thing, that that's the way things were done, and part of it was a clever enough move that uh, people would be choosing, you know, Guinness Diageo products and giving them to their friends. So there was something of a marketing slant behind it all, but either way, people didn't care. Uh, And you rescued a a box of valuable documents, which has thrown a lot of light as well, and well done to you. You were last out nearly pulling the gate behind you, but that that was a significant thing for you to do. McCardles.ie, that's where all we're talking about, the history is still there. Yeah, so what I I did was, as the the website, or as the brewery was being shut down in Mothball, there was a lot of the larger artefacts were put into the museum, thankfully. But there was some of the smaller stuff that was left to one side. I found a box of share certificates, uh, letters, and uh, the one thing I did find, which I was glad I rescued, was the opening day's accounts in, on the 1st of January, 1863. So right. I've... I've got a I've got a job of work ahead of me to digitise all of that, but I'm currently putting it on to mccardles.ie. So as I get time, and uh, as people want it, they can have a look at that website and see what I'm talking about. You're doing a fantastic job, I have to say to you, honestly. You you really are. You're contributing so much. Uh, to the history of the place and uh, you know as you say digitising it there is really special can I tell you something uh, Jason I still enjoy a bottle of it chilled from the cooler in my local you'd be amazed Jerry. I get an email in at least once a week where people ask me where they can buy it Yes, Uh, you know if they can buy bottles where can they buy cans and my cans where they can buy bottles it really makes you wonder was there an opportunity missed there for a beer that had a tremendous history you know, microbrewing and uh, all of that legacy to be kept on or even reinvented. I don't think Diageo quite saw what was coming down the line mm. in relation to craft breweries. And I think McCardle's was one of the original craft breweries. It's just a pity it's still not around. Yes, and ironically, there will be a new one opening in Kildare announced last week. And I know this prompted you uh, to, to raise the hair on this one. I'll raise it last year on Wednesday night. It will be McCardle's. I'll be thinking of you. And I want to say to you again, Jason, well done. All right. Cheers, Jerry. Enjoy. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining me on the show. That's Jason McGee Bye-bye. there. Bye bye. Check him out. McCardles.ie is the website. If you work there, had family there, and do check out Jason McGee on LinkedIn. That article is there as well. It's fantastic. And all the replies, it's outstanding. The climb, Miley Cyrus on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. Is this, is it April the 1st? Is it April the 1st, Louise, from what you're telling me there? It's a lovely It's the 1st of April. No. It is. When I check my calendar. I bet you there's loads of people out there that would agree with this campaign. Go ahead. Tell them about the campaign. Not Just a Dog campaign was launched by Dogs Trust and they are calling on Irish employers to offer compassionate leave to employees dealing with the death of a pet. I think it's a lovely idea. 
Me goldfish died yesterday. <laughs> I'm not coming to work. Some me... people love their goldfish. <laughs> me goldfish passed away. Jeez, you'd never be at work because they die that often. Well, we covered a story recently where there was... 15 years of age and brought to a vet for a little operation and still going strong. Absolutely. But are you telling me that I could have an emotional link with a goldfish and go to my boss and say, I need a week off, I can't take it. You wouldn't have an emotional link with the boss though. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be told what to do. Uh, There's a lot of people back in this, including um, a former guest of yours, Dr. Sabina Brennan. I know Sabina well. I know Sabina well and Mm. she's an eminent person. I understand that. But let me... Doesn't say the length, you know, whether it's an hour or whether it's three days. (laughs) What is this world of ours coming to? Let me tell you that I come from a canine loving family all my life. My father had that many dogs. But a dog is a dog. And when a dog passed away, a dog... Now, I'll tell you, when Jack, my Labrador, died, he was 10. I wrote an an opinion piece, I remember at the time, in independent newspapers about it, and it caught a lot of attention about the emotion I felt and the sadness. But I don't want time off work. I don't need time off work. (laughs) No, 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 no. I don't need that. And you can be sad, and it is emotional, and we have a connection with them. But time off work... Does anyone want to work anymore? I pose that question today. Does anybody want to work? Because this is the latest in, in, in a line of things. No, Louise. No. Oh, come on. Yeah, Wait. some to some people the dog is. Just I understand that. their child. I understand that, but at the end of the day, they might need even half a day or und- a day off yeah. just to you know. <laughs> Almighty. I'm an animal. You, don't you know I love pets? I love my dogs. I care. I love everything. No, sorry, I'm, I, 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 I'm not going to just go with the flow here. In my opinion, no. What do you think, folks, listening? Are you listening to us today, even talking about this? Time off when your pet dies. Time off from work. What do you think? 086 1800 658. Yes. What's up? <laughs> yes, do anything got to do with time off from work? My mouse, my pet mouse. Oh, when I think of the mouse, when the cat got him, my pet mouse. I need a month off. I can't take it anymore. Not at all. I just went and got another mouse. <laughs> Did you really have a pet mouse? Oh, I had pet mice for years. I started with a white pet mouse that I got in Coventry when I was a little fella. I smuggled them into Ireland. <laughs> I went over to visit me aunt and uncle with me mam and sister and smuggled them. I never tell you that story. It must be dead, I told. Smuggled them into Ireland, foot and mouth times as well. Then when he was whipped, I think a cat whipped him, I got brown mice and black mice and I had about half a dozen of them. They escaped all around the house. <laughs> It's one way of getting rid of unwanted people. (laughs) Oh, I was emotionally distraught. I was destroyed when they escaped. I just went to bed for a year. Why mice? (laughs) Will he give us a break? Why mice? Why would you get mice? I don't know. It was just a thing. There was no such thing as pet mice in Ireland at that stage. And I got a cage from, and he used to run on a wheel. Look. Are you sure it wasn't a hamster? No, mouse, mouse, little white mouse, (laughs) pink eyes, pink tail. Mouse, 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 smuggle them home inside me short. I know a mouse and I see a mouse. Anyway, what do you think? 086-1800-658. God bless us and save us. Save Mother Ireland. We'll be back in a moment. We're going to look after your house and its security with Phone Watch. 
Burglaries are up right around the country when you compare the first three months of this year, 2022, with 2021. They're up 36%. And when you drill down into the numbers, in Loud, there's been an 11% increase. In Mead, listen to this, 67% up from last year. So there's no doubt we need to protect our homes. I want to welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon, Marketing Director with Phone Watch, Marguerite Cotter. Hello, Marguerite. Hello. Hi there. Thanks a million for having me on. Not at all. You're very, very welcome to the show. Um, obviously, with people being at home uh, and that's sort of changing at the moment and people returning to work, uh, burglars are well aware of this, Marguerite. Yeah, so that's a really good point. I think, yeah, you know, when we saw a 36% increase nationally and a 67% increase for me at Fulmatch, we were obviously quite alarmed. But you have to remember, we're comparing Jan to March of this year, 2022, Mm. versus the same period last year when we were all at home. So we're comparing more than likely to, you know, a much lower amount because everyone was in their home. So I think, first of all, we have to remember that. Um, However, you know, 67% is, alarming um any increase is alarming i think you know any burglary is just too many burglaries and so yes i think you know burglars aren't stupid they're well aware that we are all going back to work we're all making the most of being able to get out and about so it does stand to reason that there is an increase and i know just even from flicking through the newspapers myself this um increase in burglars leaving you know the city centres going on the motorway hubs and uh, and you know targeting towns are, that are easily accessible is is very much um, on the increase as well so yes and they're professionals that's the point you're making I want to highlight that for listeners you're not talking about opportunists although there will be opportunists of course in your neighbourhood but mostly these are professional people who get up in the morning it's like a job to these folks and these know what they're up to yeah, exactly. Like, I think there's a, there is an absolute element of opportunism in there. But yes, these are people, you know, that know exactly what they're doing in and out very, very quickly. And I think so much, we never talk about burglary to frighten people. You know, our business is, we are in the business of keeping people safe and, you know, wanting people to feel safe at home. So this isn't about us, you know, pushing the, the higher burglary rates. It's about saying, you, you're the homeowner, you are in control of the safety of your home. It's mm. you and it's only you. So it's the, the small things that make a huge difference. Yes. So let's talk about some of those small things. Let's begin with windows and doors. And you've carried out particular research in, 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 the, in these areas we're going to talk about. I can't believe this, that when, it, when, you, when you drill down into it, one in four of us still leave a front or a back door open, Marguerite. Yeah, like, uh, I think it sounds bananas, but really, you know, when you probably think about your own, you at home or whatever else, you can probably imagine the situation when you have done that. So I think what we what we see a lot of during the summer is we're all out in the back garden and we leave the front windows open. So, you know, I could be in the back garden and my home could be burgled while I'm sitting in the back garden. Mm. So I think... Yes, in the summertime, you know, we tend to be out and about a little bit more, but equally when we're just out in the garden doing gardening or just enjoying a barbecue or whatever, the front of the house needs to be secure. So windows and doors need to be closed and locked when you're out in the garden. Um, Equally, you know, when you're out of the home, all windows and doors need to be closed and locked. And the big one is, um, you know, a lot of us have an alarm. Over 50% of the population have an alarm. A lot of people still don't arm it 
every single time they leave the house. No. So it's very important to get an alarm, always arm your alarm. But also, I think we talk, in so much we talk a lot about the power of the community. So build up the relationship with your neighbours, you know, work together, keep an eye, make agreement with your neighbours for when you're leaving on holidays and so on. Ask them to keep an eye on your property, ask them to keep your front grass cut so it doesn't have the appearance of a house that's unoccupied for a few weeks. Put your lights on timers, you can buy smart plugs that integrate in with your alarm system that you can manage from your phone. Have them coming on at 5 o'clock in the evening or 7 o'clock in the evening during the summer. Have them going off again in the morning time. Give your house the impression that it is always, always occupied. Do you know that thing um, you mentioned, just to come back to it there, when, and that's a very good point you make. We're often in the garden at this time of the year, yet the yeah. front door will be open. You know what I mean? Because the family yeah. member's calling or something. That's a great point to make. But the other thing to, to mention as well, when you're within the walls of the house and you may be in a back room or a front room, vice versa, you say it's very important to set the alarm. Yeah, I mean, look, most of us who have an alarm will know you can set your alarm when you're at home. There's a setting on it that allows you to walk around the house without activating it. I think it's a case of getting into the habit of doing it when you're going to bed, always on the alarm. Mm. Um, Or when you're just watching TV, always on the alarm. I know from personal experience, it makes you feel that little bit safer if you're at home without your partner and so on. But equally, it just it secures the house much, much better because, you know, we talked about opportunism. We talked about the fact that these burglars are professionals. They're in and out. They know what they're doing. So make your alarm work for you, really, is is the important thing. Light is another thing, especially like at this time of the year, we have long light, natural light, morning to evening, but it'll turn again quickly. How important is it to have, to leave lights on when you're going out, have lights on settings that come on and off? Is that another big help? Oh, I think it's huge help. Yeah, your whole light or, you know, a light in in the sitting room or in a bedroom on at the right time. So on when it's dark outside, off when it's bright outside. You know, it's lovely bright evenings right now. But, you know, in a few months, I'll be talking to you about the fact that, you know, it's getting dark at six o'clock and Mm. we want to have, again, give the appearance of a light on at home. Um, if you're going away on holidays for two or three weeks you don't want to leave the light always on and actually a light on during the day is almost as telling as a light Mm. not on at night time so yes you know you can buy specific smart plugs that integrate with your alarm or you can buy the the smart plugs in the, the hardware shops and you can put your lights on timers you know a lamp on timer it's quite simple to do Um, and then they come on and off or look failing that if you have a neighbour or a family member that lives close by, ask them to pop in every evening. Yes. And do things like pick up the post, turn the light on, um, you know, move the bins, things like that. Some people would even go as far as, you know, moving the car in the front drive and so on. You know, you can be, there's, you can never do too much, yes. I think, because when we speak to new customers that have joined us because they've just been burgled, it's always, like, it's awful to hear them. They're sort of saying, God, I just wish I'd, you know, I wish I'd called you before and I wish I'd, haven't left the key under the mat and I wish I'd you know let's not do that let's just do it now it's the simple things and it's like anything get in a routine get all of your family in the routine train yourselves and then it just becomes second nature The other thing I think where people have copped on well most have uh, the odd uh, number haven't when you're on holidays don't post those pictures daily that you're away because that is an invitation to say come on down the price is right to the burglar isn't it? It's very tempting, you know, especially this year. I think we all want to show off where we are. But it's definitely best practice to do that when you get back. Yes. Um, So you can still post all your holiday snaps when you're back. It's, you know, 
but most of us will do it. We might include a location just to show off even more so where we are. But, you know, in the situation where maybe your Instagram or your Facebook page isn't private, that's just information yeah. for everyone to see. And even if they don't see it, you know, I'm sure they have means and ways to get access to it. Exactly. That and so you you touched on something there I want to come back to, sorry, is this thing of the leaving the key under the mat or under a rock at the front of the house. You know what I'm talking about? Or stuck yeah. somewhere. That's a real bad one too, isn't it? It is. And actually, I was chatting to um, someone else about this during the week and they were saying, you know, if you did research on the places we leave the keys, like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out where they are. They're either under the rock or under the mat. You know, it's pretty clear. Yes. So, look, you know, I think in um, in some other countries, you know, and in Ireland now, you know, it's becoming more common to have a key safe or something like that. So that needs to be done. Absolutely fine. But otherwise, you know, it goes back to the community if you need if a window cleaner, if a, I don't know, someone needs to be let in, make sure the next door neighbour has a key, make sure a family member has a key so that they can let them in if needs be, but don't leave a key outside your house. Yes. That will allow someone to gain access to your house. Just and before we finish up, the monitored alarm is the thing. It's it's pointless really having a standalone alarm, not that I, I, I would take it or watch your experience. Do many people still have standalone alarms? Yeah, actually, we've just finished some research. Yeah, so quite a high proportion of people still do. I suppose once you have the alarm in your home, you probably believe that box is ticked, and it is ticked to a certain extent. But look, you know, obviously at Watch, we believe that there is no better alarm than a monitored alarm. And, you know, I know from personal experience, um, and we know from our alarm receiving centre in Dublin, like, if an alarm goes off in your home, much will respond. It doesn't mean we'll always have to send the guards or send the fire brigade. It just means that we'll call you. When I was on holidays myself a few weeks ago, my alarm went off. And honestly, until I I, I got the call from phone watch, my neighbour popped in to check everything was okay. Everything was fine. I went back to enjoying my holiday. That was great. That won't happen with a non-monitored alarm. It'll just keep going off and off and off and off and nothing will happen. So look, you know, there's a reason why over 120,000 people in Ireland have a phone watch alarm. Obviously, if I had my way, everyone would, not because sales would go up for us, but just because, honestly, the, the improved feeling of safety when you have one, that just can't be bought. And, and that is so true. And just one for you. When the alarm goes off, if it uh, alarms for a, even a short space of time, will your people pick up on it? Because, you know, people worry uh, it, it goes off and fellas, these fellas we talked about, uh, cut alarms and, and then there's, there's no, you know what I mean, there's no connectivity. What can you reassure us on that one? Yeah, I think there's two points on that, really. The first one is, and again, I know from personal experience, I have, I would say I activate my alarm by accident, possibly about five times a week. I have small kids. You get a call from phone watch within maybe two seconds. Um, and, um, you know, and like I said, I know that from personal experience. So we react very, very quickly on all alarms, on all verified alarms. Um, the days of, I don't want, the days of a burglar you know, pull up a panel off a wall or cutting wires. And they're not gone, but like technology has moved on so much that there are now things that are done that really, you know, improves mm. your safety and removes the risk of that happening. Um, so, you know, most alarm installers, not just so much your alarm panel, which is the brains of the alarm, that would never be placed at the front door anymore. That's mm. placed somewhere that only you're aware of. 
so that a burglar can't come into the front door and just pull it off the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, technology, you can imagine Wi-Fi and all the other technologies. We don't, you know, it's not, it's virtually impossible now to interrupt the alarm. So I think people need to, you know, bear that in mind. You know, thankfully, technology has been our friend in this case. But, um, but yeah, in terms of the response, you know, we have over 35 agents working in our alarm receiving centre in, in Dublin, in, uh, in Lower Abbey Street in Dublin, and we respond to every single alarm within seconds, you know, and I have absolutely no issue saying that on, on radio at all. It, it absolutely happens every day. That's uh, really good to hear. Phonewatch.ie, the best way to contact you? Yep, that's it. Phonewatch.ie, and um, if people want to talk to us directly on the phone, the number's on the website there as well. But if you can, do, if you want to fill out the form on the website, someone will give you a call. Lovely. Elaine Byrne, Brand and Advertising Manager with Phonewatch. With Phonewatch. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. All the best. Take care now. Bye-bye. Plenty of food for thought there as regards your home security. Late lunch, LMFM radio still to come. My artists of the week. Oh, they are legends I have for you this time round. And Gary O'Mara will be joining us. Uh, If you have an idea, no matter how trivial it is, that can help with food waste, fast fashion, climate change. Well, we're going to hear all about it. There's a Dragon's Den style event coming up a little later in the year. And he's looking for people with ideas to take part. Sean Nolan embodies everything that is great about our youth. A complete gentleman who has represented his country on numerous occasions. Would the person who committed the crime, because that's what it is, Jerry, wish that Townley Hall be filled with drug users and undesirables? Shame on the person who caused this criminal act to Sean. You have put decent normal people off visiting a beautiful forest says Caroline Sean with us top of the show very lucky what happened to him in Townley Hall on Friday last I'm taking a month off my pet rat died seriously there's a listener saying that's the silliest thing I have ever heard Jerry. well there you go Jerry Teresa here love your programme but is the country gone mad time off with the death of a dog my god you wouldn't know what you'd hear next would you Jerry? The public are with me. They're with me on this one. I know it. I feel it in me water. I do indeed. Anyway, I better go home and check me compost heap and see that all the worms are well in there. Is there any of them in trouble today? Will I have to take a break if there's some of them missing? Willie the worm, where are you? Is there anything up with you today? Give me a break. Late lunch, LMFM radio coming up after three. My artists of the week. And have you an idea that could help this little planet of ours that we wouldn't have to take time off if something insignificant in our lives? You know what I mean. Anyway, taking us up to top of the hour at three o'clock. It's the Eurythmics and Thorn in My Side. By God, that new proposal is certainly a thorn in my side. That's one thing. That's for sure. Here they come. (laughs) Stay with us in your late lunch. Good afternoon. I'd be devastated if anything happened to Max, says David in Dublin. And David sends me a beautiful picture of Max. And, and I, I understand that. I certainly do understand what you're saying, uh, David. But at the end of the day... Uh, you know, Louise, come on. A dog is a dog, a cat is a cat, a rat is a rat, a mouse is a mouse. And we're all sad. I'm not taken away from that. I'd be, if I think happened messy, sure, I'd be as sad. Mm. You know, I really would. But I don't need time off work. I don't. How do you know? You I haven't know. gone through it yet I know. with Le- messy. Well, I did with Jack and I did with many other pets in my life. And you know what? 
I was sad and I had great memories of them and pictures of them and that was it. I do not need time off work and nobody does. You don't need time off work. You can grieve a pet without taking time off work. Be honestly, listen to Jerry today. <laughs> listen to Jerry. Listen to me today. Honestly, folks, let's let's get this right. You wouldn't want time off. What's your dog's name? You're talking to me? Yeah. Oscar. <laughs> I'm talking to No, no. Well, I, well, I'm looking around myself here and I'm thinking, who, who else I am I? Who else am people. I talking to? I just wondered, was there a guest that crawled into the studio? Oh, it's a pet cat that's after coming. No, no, it's not. It's not really. Anyway, you would be. Of course you'd be. You know, seriously, we, you would be uh, annoyed if anything happened mm. uh, to to a creature that's with you all those I years. think it's a very much an individual thing each to, you know, and yeah. how you react to a pet. Yeah. And I also think in, in some ways for some people going to work might be better for them than sitting home on their own and Correct. being sad that, you know, keep your mind other busy. people. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And if you need time off, take holidays <laughs> or without pay. <laughs> That'll soften your cough about your pet, I can there tell you for sure. There are loads of people that are paying thousands now to say goodbye to their friends. I understand that. And I understand all that. And I good luck to everybody who, who does that. But time off work. Give me a break. Anyway, let me tell you folks about <laughs> my artists of the week this week before I stand up on that soap. <laughs> before I <laughs> get up. <laughs> I'm honest. Mm. I'm honest to a fault. I'm not heartless. Anyway, let me tell you about my artist of the week this week. Uh, I've chosen them because they've released their 12th album on Friday last. Yes, and it's called Masquerade. And when I tell you, they've been masquerading since September 1980, bringing out their debut album back then called Deep Sea Skiving. Do you know who I'm talking about? That was in 1983, which would pave the way for the halcyon days right through the 80s, which produced a string of hits worldwide. Will I mention the songs? Venus, Robert De Niro, Shy Boy, Cruel Summer, etc, etc. You do know my artists of the week, a banana rama, and we'll be talking about them and reprising their songs all this week. Sarah Dallin, Karen Woodward and Javon Fahey were ardent punk rock followers. Yes, they were in the 70s and 80s, and they performed backing vocals to the likes of the jam and Iggy Pop before recording a demo of their own which saw them sign with Decca Records and they were on their way. A collaboration with Funboy 3 on the single It Ain't What You Do earned them a top five in the UK charts before they reciprocated with their own hit Really Saying Something in 1982 which Funboy 3 joined them on. Success flowed profusely for the trio as the 80s moved on but more of this anon, let's remind ourselves of the songs that had us so excited, and especially Louise Walsh, all those years ago, with my first of five this week, from my Artist of the Week, Banana Rama.
love that song. Love those ladies. Bananarama, September 87 from the album Wow, number three in the UK charts. They were massive and we're going to hear more about and from them over the week here on Late Lunch. They are my artists of the week. Final break of this Monday afternoon and afterwards, have you an idea? And there's people with great ideas out there. There's an opportunity coming to bring them forward on fast fashion, climate change, education, housing, you name it across the board. Gary O'Mara is with us next to tell us more. We haven't spoken for a while, but he's a good friend of ours on Late Lunch. He's CEO of Mead Enterprise and Chair of Community Enterprise Association Ireland. Gary O'Mara, welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks for having me, Jerry. It's been nice. a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Nice to talk to you again, Gary. Gary, what is Champion Changemakers, please, all about? So Champion Changemakers, basically, you mentioned there, as chair of Community Association, uh, Community Enterprise Association of Ireland. Basically, it's initiative, an initiative um, of that association to support social innovators and social entrepreneurs who may have ideas that can help tackle social challenges or environmental challenges uh, anywhere in the country and to help maybe kind of commercialize in some way shape or form or uh, give some sort of ability for those people to be able to create real impact with their ideas and solve local challenges. So Community Enterprise Association of Ireland is a, a national network. Jerry, you, you may remember it from before. We're members ourselves, obviously, in Mead. It used to be the, the National Association of Community Enterprise Centres and being re- rebranded there last year. So it's the network of hubs, similar to ourselves and others in the, like Dundalk, Creative Spark in Dundalk and the Mill in Drogheda that, that you're probably familiar with as well, across the country. And they support startups and they support SMEs and they support an awful lot of things across the region in terms of regional development. And what we're trying to do is tap into, I suppose, the the vast network that a lot of these hubs actually have locally in their own communities, from political to education to entrepreneurial, and try and work with those hub managers and work with those communities to try and figure out what the actual problems are locally uh, or regionally, and at a national level, uh, come up with some ideas uh, of, of challenges, that we, ways that we can solve challenges and solve real problems us- using a kind of socially conscious entrepreneurial approach uh, to kind of maybe dealing with things and, and giving people locally and local communities the power to be able to go out and have an impact and make some sort of a change. Uh, that's really important. And examples, I want to throw them out there. You're familiar with them. Examples of successful ones from the past, and these are well-known. Uh, things like Triftify, Food Cloud, GIY Ireland, Refill Ireland, and the Men's Shed Associations. Things like that have come from people's ideas. So for people listening today, if somebody has a, an idea or uh, you know a suggestion, a potential solution or something like that, you want to bring this out now and bring it forward and talk Talk to people like this. Absolutely, yeah. And again, using that hub network, obviously we're all very used to hearing an awful lot about our hubs, even more so now since COVID from remote working and lots of other things. But as you know, Jerry, working with the hubs across the Northeast, there's an awful lot more that they do as well. It is about supporting businesses. It is about educating entrepreneurs, working with local communities, and very much always has been about supporting social enterprise. A lot of these hubs themselves are social enterprises. They're not-for-profit companies. 
um, that are there really to support our local communities and try and create jobs and trying to solve issues. So, yeah, we're reaching out, basically trying to find people who would like to come and work with us in some way, shape or form and learn how to put some sort of an action plan around their own ideas or look at issues that they may have or that there may be out there generally. So the way we're going to try and do this, it's it's kind of like a hackathon. So we'll be bringing people in. It's going to be full on now for three days. The one we're going to run out of Mead is going to be in Kells, the big enterprise centre in Kells. And people will come in on the Friday and they'll share their ideas and we'll have professional mentors and design thinking, innovation consultants and people from the public sector and the private sector and education, as many as we can get on board, I suppose, there to facilitate discussions around, well, what are the challenges in this county or in this region and, and what is it we need to be doing to try and resolve them? And we'll put people into teams. It's quite competitive and it can be quite fun as well. We put people into different teams and we'll allocate mentors and consult- consultants and facilitators to help flesh out all the different ideas or all the different challenges. And then we'll try and work with them then through the Saturday and throughout the weekend to try and come up with ways of bringing some of those ideas to life. And Men's Shed, like you mentioned, is is probably the best example that most people listening will be familiar with. Um, and they've done absolutely amazing work over the over the years. So it's really coming up with something, absolutely, that could be potentially the, the next Men's Shed or the next Food Cloud. And our role as Community Enterprise Association of Ireland and this Change Makers is one of our projects, um, is to really facilitate uh, using our skill sets, supporting entrepreneurs and supporting enterprise development, is to really facilitate those social innovators and those social entrepreneurs and those people out there who want to make a difference, to bring them in, show them how to do it and help them do it and hopefully have follow-on supports at the end of the process where they can go on to a grand final, meet other social innovators and entrepreneurs from across the country with different ideas and hopefully then, you know, compete all in the name of fun and all in the name of learning, obviously, uh, to go on and get a bursary of some sort of support and everything else that will come come, come from this at the very end or the outset to support them to bring that idea to life. Yeah, I like it. I really like this. I do. Look, what well, time's going to beat us here. Just to give our listeners uh, the details where they can find out more and become involved in this process. Yeah, anyone who wants to be involved can log on to the Community Enterprise Association website, communityenterprise.ie and check out Champion Changemakers. Um, Siobhan Finn, our National Network Manager in Community Enterprise Association Ireland, will be going through any kind of interest that we get nationally, and Siobhan will allocate different people. So whether you're somebody who actually has an idea, whether you're a mentor who would like to get involved, a former policymaker or a current entrepreneur, doesn't matter who you are, if you want to help out in any way, if you want to get involved in any way, please make contact. Go to communityenterprise.ie forward slash champion change makers and Siobhan will reach out and connect you in with all of us locally. Gary, Gary, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Wish you well with everything you do. You're a top man. Thanks. Great to talk to you. Thank you very much, Gary. Take, Take care. care now. Bye-bye. That's Gary O'Mara there. And an opportunity for you, if you have an idea, do check it out. Tomorrow on Late Lunch Tuesday, Column Lyon. Uh, where to from here for banking? Yes, he's worked in the sector. He's outside of it now. And he has some really interesting views. This is in the light of AIB going to cut off cash. Well, they've stepped back from the brink, haven't they? 
Sarah O'Rourke hats off to her yes she's a brilliant milliner from me then she's going places internationally we're going to have a chat with Sarah and your two on Tuesday we'll uh, spin it and the one that kept it off the number one spot Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive here on LMFM Radio thanks for your company today have a lovely evening see you Tuesday 1.30 the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Opal. Drogheda to Dorkin Cavan. Discover the all-new Opal Grandland with its bold design, digital cockpit, high-tech features and a choice of petrol, diesel and plug-in electric hybrid. Visit blackstonemotors.ie A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.